Welcome to the Internet Computer Occasionally podcast, a podcast that I, Arthur Falls, produce uh, very occasionally, it seems, these days. The reason I wanted to put out a new episode is that on the 16th of May in Miami, I was very fortunate to attend the uh, ICP community conference that was put on by Code and State. This is Code and State, the venture studio that was founded by Cedric Waldberger and uh, Atia Mogbel, both ex-Definity. The conference itself was awesome, to, to put it in the simplest of terms. It was something that was desperately needed just to get everyone in the same room. It wasn't everyone, but it was enough people from the internet computer community together to look each other in the eye, pat each other on the back and congratulate everyone for what has been a couple of years of really great solid work. Um, and being able to meet some of these people was incredible. So I'm going to go through my impressions of the conference by talking about the individual people I met. I can't get to everyone, unfortunately, but there were some people who had some key insights rather than going through the talks themselves, in part because I didn't watch all the talks. I might have watched half of them. But yeah, so um, the the conference itself was held in the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino uh, in Miami. And it's this amazing casino that's shaped like a giant guitar. Oh, it's, yeah, I guess the hotel is shaped like a giant guitar. And when you're driving to it from the airport, it rises out of the haze um, of the Miami air in the distance. And there is this gigantic thing. It's quite a sight. And I have a feeling that maybe the reason Cedric selected this hotel is a homage to his own past as a singer in a Swiss yodel rock group. Anyway, maybe that's a, uh, maybe that's a red herring, but it did, um, it did cross my mind. Uh, anyway, you walk in and there's this grandiose lobby with, a, with water pouring from the ceiling and plants on the walls, and it's just immense. I mean, it's one of the most impressive places, man-made places, I think I've ever been. And of course, there's this, you know, it's a casino, so there's thousands of slot machines and roulette tables and card games and all of it. I'm not, I've never been in a casino before. Or I might have walked through one once. Um, so, But for me, it was a new experience, overwhelming in the best possible way. The conference itself was held in a room kind of off the side. They have a bunch of uh, conference facilities and um, it was a good room, fit about probably could have fit 150 people, which was the number of tickets sold. I don't think it got past about 120. I'd say there were 100, and 100 people there for most of the, most of the talks. Um, again, those are the ones that I attended. There was also a, an area right next to it with food and drinks where people hung out and talked uh, in between the talks. And that was actually really good. A lot of the best conversations that I had during my time there happened uh, in between or as I sat out an individual talk just to, to discuss it with uh, some of the other attendees. And of course, spirits were high, so there was definitely some very uh, enthusiastic conversation taking place. So I got to the hotel and I was walking around through these slot machines trying to make my way through this maze and I came to quite a large eatery and I could see the guys down at a table. I do say guys, this was almost entirely guys at the conference. It was quite hilarious. Not entirely, but almost. 
and I recognized Cedric and some of the other folks who I'd met before. So I came over and sat down across from, lo and behold, Rick Porter from Discover. And Rick is this you know, larger-than-life character. He's incredibly impassioned, incredibly enthusiastic. And when you pile onto that what must have been a considerable amount of alcohol, you get this very entertaining tour de force of deep technical visionary chat. And he explained to me a lot of the ideas that he ultimately um, wound up talking about in his talk. The coolest idea that he had that I found that I really resonated with was he viewed the internet computer as a consensus engine that could be relied on by other infrastructure pieces that could be built and then plugged in. So rather than think about the internet computer as your primary hosting environment, where you're storing your stuff on these canisters and trying to find a way to get them to interface with the traditional web, what you do is you build something very much like the current boundary node network that is designed on the one hand to interface directly with the internet computer, but on the other, it's designed to directly and easily interface with a web browser and be indexed by traditional web services. Then in between those two interfaces, I guess is the word we're using here, you can stick whatever you like, your, you know, whatever particular hosting environment you want to have for your application, whatever type of caching services or maybe um, content distribution services that you need. You can still host data and logic on the internet computer, but this extra layer gives you a whole bunch of flexibility. And this combined with all of the features that the internet computer offers gives you a, a bit of an easier environment in which to develop fully featured applications. This is pretty cool as an idea. And in his talk, Rick explained that Discover has built one of these infrastructure layers. He calls it as a, a instead of a layer one, a layer 1.5. And their intention is to use this network, he calls it the edge network, to improve the functionality of the Discover uh, social media kind of Reddity platform. So that was Rick Porter. Really, really amazing guy to meet. Started off with an absolute barrage of crazy, awesome, out there ideas. Isaac Valdez is someone who generally doesn't require too much introduction in the internet computer community. He works for Coden State. He's head of marketing there. Uh, in the past, he's been a highly active community member. He was the man apparently tasked with putting this conference together over the course of three months, which is really impressive, and he did an amazing job. In addition to that, he built this really cool technology himself called Entangle that attaches a NFT to an NFC readable device that can be transferred to any address, but only in the presence of that NFC uh, device. In this case, it was our badges. Scanning the badge also took you to a website that had lots of other cool stuff on there. It gave you access to a Discover channel that we could, we could chat in. The whole thing was a really, really cool demonstration of technology that he developed and then plugged into the conference, as well as organizing the entire conference himself. So I thought that was absolutely incredible. And to see an NFT attached directly to a physical device was awesome as well in, a, um, in an unbreakable kind of way. So that was cool. Um, great to see Isaac. Raheel of Mod Club 
has always been one of my favorite people in the internet computer community, particularly because I just love Mod Club. It's a decentralized business that's designed to be run as a DAO. I'm, I'm not sure it's actually running in a full, it's not, I don't believe it's running in a fully decentralized fashion just yet, but it's, it's set up exactly to do that and takes all of the cool tools and capabilities of decentralized networks and uses them to build a traditional business, providing a service to customers. That is awesome. That is really what we need to be doing, in my view. And the way that Raheel has guided Mod Club toward creating this traditional business, I think is totally awesome. Mod Club started out as a network of people who you could pay through an interface to do moderation for you. So there's this pool of moderators who are awarded tokens in exchange for moderating. Um, So someone wants to post something to the blogging platform Nuance. They click submit. That blog post gets sent to the Mod Club moderator pool. It is randomly assigned to a moderator. That moderator gives it a approval or rejection it gets passed on to another moderator and if it passes both it gets approved for publishing on nuance that's the idea and that can be applied not just to web3 projects but to anyone uh, as this kind of plug and play moderation tool and so i think that's really awesome so they've also looked at proof of humanity which you know really does what people parties was intended to do from way back in the day i'm not sure if anyone talks about that anymore they also worked on whitelisting for NFT projects as another uh, as another product that Mod Club could provide, another service that Mod Club could provide. And these days they are working on AI training. So you've got this ever broadening portfolio of services that Mod Club is developing that uses a large pool of decentralized workers who check each other's work and are incentivized to participate via um, the issuance of tokens. Totally awesome. Love Mod Club. It was awesome to see Raheel, a uh, really personable guy. And, um, and that was great. So um, anyway, that, that, was, that was Raheel. Also, I, I mentioned Nuance. Uh, I met Nick from Nuance there as well. Nuance is going to go live on the SNS soon. They're going to do a token launch. Uh, they have a, a really interesting and quite traditional model for their token as well. I should be careful about talking too much about it because it's it's a bit up in the air. But the general idea is that Nuance aims to be medium only, and when you're clapping, you're at you pay the person who you're uh, reading rather than just giving them arbitrary claps. So when you like a like an article, you can effectively tip the writer in whatever currency you want to tip them in. Maybe that's Bitcoin you know, CK Bitcoin, maybe that's ICP, maybe that's nuance tokens. And then the nuance tokens themselves are used in the governance system to decide what to do with fees uh, derived from those tips. So say you've got a 10% fee that goes to the nuance platform for development, then you've got this growing pool, 10% of all all tips uh, that have gone in there that can be dispensed as the nuance token holders desire. What you would imagine that would bring value to the Nuance token is that that value could be distributed to the token holders themselves. That seems to make sense to me. I like that as well. Traditional business, very similar to Medium, but making that relationship between the reader and the writer 
direct rather than through the intermediary of medium who pays people for, for articles and stuff like that. They also want to make NFTs out of articles and they've got some cool paywall ideas as well. They provide bespoke publication services. I think if anyone remembers Fastblocks, Fastblocks was built on Nuance. For some reason, that's been discontinued. It was totally awesome and seemed to get absolutely no marketing, so I'm not surprised. But technically, it was extremely well executed and actually a pretty cool project. It's a pity that that didn't last. One more thing about uh, Nuance, I posted an article on there about propaganda um, under my handle at Arthur Falls, so go check that out and um, give me some claps. It does wonders for my self-esteem. Who next? Okay. Bob uh, and Steve from Tonic, Bob Bodley and Easy Steve, everyone will be familiar with those guys because they're pro- you know two of the most prolific communicators in the entirety of the IC space. I have to say... Meeting Bob was like one of these slight like, oh my gosh, do I have like a parasocial like friendship with this guy? I'm like quite intimidated by him. He's he's this, to me, I didn't realize that I'd actually come to view him as a celebrity, which is a really eerie experience. We chatted a lot, but mostly it covered the history of uh, using Bitcoin to track NFTs and the deep technical uh, mechanisms by which that is achieved, which happened to be the subject of his talk. So their idea at Tonic is that there's this new um, there's this new fad of attaching very small data payloads to Bitcoin transactions that reference an individual Satoshi. So what does it mean to reference an individual Satoshi? So every single time there's a block reward. You know, every time a block is mined, there are some Bitcoins in there. Every single Bitcoin, Bitcoin is just a made up term. Really, ultimately, the, um, the denomination Bitcoin is an arbitrary denomination. Really, there's four quadrillion Satoshis out there. That's, the, that's kind of the smallest, the most granular piece of a Bitcoin you can have. Each Satoshi can be given a number in order of it being mined. And so when you transfer that Satoshi, so you, you have a Bitcoin in your account, you transfer one Satoshi and you include in the transaction data that moves that Satoshi, a cryptographic reference to a piece of data, say a NFT JPEG or something like that. And by moving that Satoshi around, you can, in theory, move around this um, move around this NFT. Now, that's a really cool way of doing NFTs. Um, it's not the first time it's been done. It's been actually done a bunch of times, <laughs> now that I think about it. Um, my, back in 2013 and 2014, this was, uh, this was how NFTs were, were done. But as well as other tokens as well, as well as just arbitrary tokens. But the idea kind of fell on hard times, mostly because there became this debate about whether or not Bitcoin was to be a settlement layer. What's cool about this new approach, or I should say, I don't think it's really a new approach, but the reemergence of this idea is that we can track the assets, right? We can track the NFTs on Bitcoin, but we can do trading on the internet computer, which is what Tonic is, is trying to do. Not trying to, they have, they have built this, um, this trading engine and exchange. And that can settle whenever you like, you know, if you really care. You can settle that via CKBTC on Bitcoin, but it's not really ever necessary. But at least it's still tied to that trustlessly. I think that's really, really cool. And... Uh, it's awesome that they have taken this approach. That was the subject of uh, of Bob's talk. 
the Bitcoin Ordinals. This is Bitcoin Ordinals is what it's called, by, by the way. And Bitcoin Ordinals is a huge community and it's growing. It's a really, really smart move, really creative, awesome stuff. So great from Bob. Easy Steve was there. We, we talked a lot, but we were inebriated for quite a lot of it. And a lot of it was about gambling. I will say I did learn from Steve that you can be good at roulette. I mean, you can't argue with results and he was successful. So that was easy, Steve. Probably the most entertaining person I think I met there. Oh, and actually one final point. Bob did go on about the importance of making the technology disappear. Technology should be transparent. We shouldn't be talking about internet computer this and Bitcoin that. We want to be providing a service that is useful, that is independent from any technological ideology. I thought that was a great refrain uh, that he held to for the entire conference. It was one of his main messages that he came. And I'd like to echo it here because if there was a main message from the conference that I found really productive, that would be it. Among many others, actually, now that I say that. But that was a really, really good, um, a really, really good message that I thought he had making the technology disappear. Dan and Reuven. So Dan Ostrovsky and Reuven Heck, two guys really focused on identity. Dan is of Identity Labs. Uh, they're the guys who made NFID. I know Reuven from the consensus days. He was working on Uport back then. Totally, just doggedly determined to revolutionize identity. And it was so I was so happy to see him turn up with Dan, who is, I mean, NFID is one of the coolest things to happen to blockchain identity. It's it, No, not one of. It is the coolest thing ever to happen to blockchain identity. And it's cool that Reuven has found Dan and is working with him on identity now because those two will make an incredible team. And to talk to Reuven about his... I'm not going to go through Reuven's vision for identity. It is... Imagine if we had this perfect identity system that did absolutely everything that you wanted and meant that you never had to give any information over that wasn't necessary during any interaction. And it was all cryptographically verified, secure, recoverable, but tied entirely to yourself. Wouldn't that be great? And he's had lots of ways to achieve exactly this over the years. Now that he's working with Dan, who has done the best stuff ever in blockchain identity, hopefully, finally, his vision will be realized. Um, and to see those guys turn up together at, uh, at the conference was almost like one of these moments where you feel like the ground tremble underfoot with the magnitude of, this, um, of that, uh, that event, the, the emergence of this dynamic duo. So that was really cool. Plus, they were both hilarious. Dan insisting on everyone going to the gym at 6.30 in the morning. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> I've had way too many beers for that. But... Sure enough, he and a bunch of the guys, Cedric, of course, um, were, were constantly going off to the gym. Additionally to this, Dan actually gave up his, his speaking slot to host a panel discussion of frictions that people are experiencing within the internet computer ecosystem. And that discussion was really, really good. Of course, I raised the issue that the uh, NNS is entirely centralized around Dominic Williams, who has unitary control of the governance system. 
The problems with Definity's marketing performance were also raised, as well as the fact that they had boycotted the first conference to be held <laughs> about the uh, about the internet computer, despite never having actually hosted a conference themselves. Um, so, you know, that was obviously that was the massive elephant in the room the entire time, but it didn't really um, it didn't really seem to dampen the experience at all, really. In fact, actually, as Cedric pointed out during um, during Dan's panel discussion on these issues, what this hammers home is the importance that the community itself stand up independently of the foundation and drive the internet computer forward. Because if it's going to succeed, it is the community that is going to have to carry it to the finish line. It's not going to happen any other way. Those are not his words. Those are mine. Cedric is always vastly more diplomatic than myself. So that was really great. I think the term he used was, we need more gardeners and everyone can be a gardener. Uh, Everyone can nurture this community and help it grow and nurture the ecosystem and help it grow. And to see the way that Cedric and and the rest of the Code and State team are doing that with the community, the Internet Computer Community Conference and the projects that they're supporting internally, like the Matoko Bootcamp and the way Identity Labs is doing this by offering NFID to everyone to use and the way that uh, Discover is doing this by developing their edge network, their new technology, we are actually seeing the community adopt a lot of the functions that traditionally in the past were centralized on the Definity Foundation itself. That being community development, support, events, identity, and then uh, and also infrastructure development. And dividing that infrastructure development up is a really, really important part of decentralizing the ecosystem. You can't just have the, uh, I say infrastructure, let's use the word uh, protocol development. You can't have the, uh, the Definity Foundation being the sole protocol developer. That's just not appropriate. And so it's cool to see Discover picking up that mantle with the Edge Network. Okay, let's see, on my list, Atia and Cedric. Well, they were there, just being really competent, positive. Um, I mean, they put the thing on. They were magnanimous hosts and put on a great party. I mean, what is there to say? Neither of them took center stage. Cedric did have a great talk about how to communicate about the internet computer that I definitely suggest everyone watch when it goes up on the... uh, on their YouTube channel. Artia stayed in the background though, and I actually didn't get much of a chance to speak with him. Uh, Same with Cedric, now that I say that, largely because he was running around doing stuff. Speaking of hosts, ICP Jesse, uh, or Jesse Friedman, hosted the entire conference. He did an incredible job. I've actually, I was actually blown away by how competent he was. I'd never, I, you know, I was, I had no, no idea that he was able to just stand up and and hold court like that. It was really, really impressive. And he was the the celebrant that brought us all together and did an amazing job of that. So definitely deserves a mention here. We had a bunch of exchanges, but none of them did we really discuss anything that I think makes it as content into a uh, into a podcast. Who's next? Uh, Michael Hunt was there, the you know, old uh, old community manager guy who who really assembled a lot of that community. So it was good to see him. I actually hung out with Mike at his house, and uh, and he was it was we had a good time, drank a bunch of beers, and uh, ate some fancy uh, takeout. 
uh, if you're interested. Uh, so Michael Schwartz, Mike Schwartz was also there, and he presented a talk. He, Mike Schwartz is one of the original Definity guys. He was there before Definity was Definity, um, long before Definity was Definity. And he had this really cool um, idea years ago, I mean years ago, called the Pan Industry Platform, where you have a single piece of software that manages inventory and logistics for an entire industry. And he's been trying to build this for ages. And he's had, I don't know, three, he's on his third company building this pan industry platform on the internet computer, largely because he was waiting for the internet computer to exist. And he had two companies um, kind of break up while that was happening. Uh, the I forget what the first one was. The second one was called 55 Foundry. And then the third that we're all aware of now is the juggernaut origin. And so he's, uh, he was there and um, gave a great talk about the pan industry platform. We also chatted, had an aside where we chatted about um, uh, revenue positivity and how they're really, they've managed to get these anchor industry partners across diamonds and a number of other key industries onto their platforms. And so they finally have revenue positivity in the uh, in the near future and after that absolute trek through the valley of death that is startup development it's awesome that they finally uh they finally got there so that was really cool igor was one of the final speakers he's another old face from consensus a bit like reuven heck this is igor lilich he had a great talk about how to develop level one platform communities. And he drew on his experience in Bitcoin, Ethereum, and onward. And that was a really, really hearty talk. And I really hope that gets uploaded because that was something that everyone should watch when it comes to communicating and engaging people about a new layer one. Igor is this deep philosophical dude who's seen it all and has all the wisdom that anyone in Web3 really could ever have. And he, he wrapped out the entire day. Jordan Last was there as well. It was great to talk to him. Uh, Homan and uh, Wyatt of ICME, uh, also Kinnick, which is the ICME's the no-code website builder type platform uh, on the IC. Kinnick is the IC search engine. Really, really cool. I had a great chat with them about pivots and how to take old work and put it back to roll it into something new, a new product. And that was really productive. It was really productive to talk to them. Also great to meet them because they're both pretty charismatic guys who have been in the IC for a really, really long time. Homan did a talk called The Zero Knowledge Economy, but I missed it. I was wrapped up talking to someone about something. I would have gone to it had I known it was on. Um, so sorry, Homan, I feel like I've, uh, I've gypped you here. Um, let's see. So I've got a note here saying that the highlight talk, the highlight talk was Laura Cole's discussion of the legality of Web3 and setting up startups. And this echoed comments that Cedric made about Code and State attempting to develop a kind of copy-paste startup legal framework in Switzerland. What was great about having Laura speak was, for one, she's an incredible public speaker. They talk about barristers' wit, and Laura was definitely in possession. But also, it was good to hear someone talk about the nuts and bolts of setting up a startup, which is a difficult thing to do, and it's easy to miss. A lot of the organizational 
components, a lot of the things that you kind of want to have there, the legal protections, etc. And it was cool to hear her bring all that to the fore in such an entertaining fashion. So that was cool. Um, the last name I have here is just Seb. Seb works at Coden State. He hosts the Matoko boot camps and he's a great guy. And he was around and we hung out and it was cool. And I didn't want to leave him off the list. Um, although I have left a ton of people off the list, so I'm sorry if you're offended, but there were just so many people to get around, um, or cram into a, uh, a monogalous, monogalous, mon- monologous, monologous podcast. So let's see, um, notable absences, final thing, Portal, the video app, the, you know, that's like a decentralized YouTube that was absent. I was very disappointed about that because I've been hosting videos on Portal um, under the channel Home Video, which I suggest everyone go take a look at. It's really, really cool to see video hosted on a blockchain. Sounds impossible, can be done. Go check out Portal. Mate, where are you guys? Uh, Hazel wasn't there as well. Hazel from Departure Labs. I expected someone from there uh, to turn up. Uh, that was really disappointing. I wanted to see Hazel. So, um, Hazel, I'm hazing you. You should have been there. There was virtually no discussion of marketing beyond Cedric's talk, um, explaining how to explain the IC. Uh, that was really the most, um, the most we heard about marketing. And that was kind of interesting. Um, I do think we need to focus on marketing a bit. It's, um, it really hasn't been, um, it isn't a focus. Uh, there was no discussion of ICP price outside of uh, Eagle's talk where he said, if you're not comfortable with a $5 ICP, you're in the wrong place because this is what bootstrapping a layer one is all about. That was the only mention of the price that I recall from the entire time I was there. Um, let's see, yeah, and the apparent boycott of Definity, that, by Definity, that was really weird. Um, it's unsurprising given their past attitude toward the community, but it's still disappointing. There is this massive US-based Definity team, uh, people like Moritz Fuller, who should have been in attendance at the very least. But yeah, I would have liked to see more people there. Why the hell weren't they there? And ideally speaking, it's really weird. Um, It did make it totally clear that the Definity community really is on its own. It's a separate entity from the foundation that has to stand on its own feet. Uh, But the conference showed that it really is able to. Again, I've got Rick Porter's Edge Network note noted down here because I was so impressed. The idea that we have near protocol level innovation taking place outside the foundation really is a milestone. The conference itself, in conclusion, felt like a watershed moment where the foundation and the community went their separate ways. And when I say went their separate ways, I'm not saying that everyone's not, everyone's not working together, but it created a very clear line in the sand that said the community has to do things itself and show that it can. Um, this was always essential. The community needed to strike out on its own. Code and State have demonstrated really strong leadership in this. And that was the, the, the feeling that pervaded the conference and to walk away from it with that sense that we have a new future where the internet computer project is community led feels really heartening and while I think we still have a lot of work to do in pursuit of that we've taken the first steps this conference was the first real move 
in that direction. It showed it was possible and felt like a kind of a line in the sand. So, yeah, that was my takeaway. Um, let me know. I'll, this is this will be tweeted out on Twitter. You know, if you've uh, you can find me there at Arthur Falls. Uh, let me know what you think. You know, if you liked the podcast, if you didn't, if you thought I was wrong about a bunch of stuff. And yeah, uh, it was it was really really good experience. And I hope that this brief overview can uh, give those of you who couldn't attend uh, a bit of an idea about what went on and what you missed out on. Subscribe to Coden State on YouTube for the videos when they are eventually uploaded. They're all essential watching. Every every talk that I saw was essential watching. So don't miss out on those. That's uh, Arthur Falls for the Internet Computer Occasionally podcast over and out. Take it easy, guys.